0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lamond, presented by Riverwind Casino. OU stuff. We talk about possible stadium expansion and some spring game details that got released. Then Deshaun White joins us for an interview, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, February 27th, and you're listening to The Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February and March. It's almost March, people. All you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted Lehman, how we doing, sir?
1: I am doing fantastic.
0: How about you? Good. Good. Long weekend in Colorado. You'd be proud of me, man. Third, third and fourth time in my life with skis on my feet. Yeah. We went all the way top to bottom Aspen mountain, no falls blues all the way down. Let's not get crazy blues all the way down, but all the way top. It did it several times. That is awesome. My favorite
1: ski run of anywhere I've ever been to is on Aspen mountain it's like the, it's one of the runs on the backside and it is straight down. It's a groomed blue and it is the fastest run you could ever ask for. I love it. That's
0: a great place. I, I don't think I did that one. <laughs> I, I like to stay at all the groomed stuff, you know, yeah. uh, following other people, you know, just taking my sweet time. But uh, I, I, it felt like an accomplishment. Okay. That's awesome. So, Good. and didn't get injured. So, You always chalk that up as a win. That's money. Money. Always chalk that up as a win. All right, let's get to the OU stuff. And Joe Casiglione did a long interview with our man Toby Rowland there on your radio station, Ted K-Ref. And wanted to start with this. One thing that Joe C. discussed with T-Row was the possibility or this notion that you know expansion of the stadium, right, of Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, is something that needs to happen now that OU is going to the SEC, right? There's several several SEC stadiums that are over 100,000 people when you look at the capacity. But it seems like the move to the SEC has some OU fans wanting the stadium, right? They want that north end to get bowled in, to add some capacity. But Joe Castiglione basically was like, hey, we're focused on renovating what we've got to create a great fan experience i what do you think of all of that
1: yeah i i think he's right first of all you got to think of this like any stadiums being built anymore are not 100,000 seat stadiums um they're much smaller than that and the focus is less on uh quantity and more on quality and i think that's where joe c is like There's there's a lot to the stadium right now that could be upgraded uh, for our current capacity to where, you know, it's more comfortable for the guests, for the people watching the games. But here's the deal. If when we go to the SEC, I I don't know how many season ticket holders we have now. At one point, I think there was around 60,000. And I think we hold right around 85, maybe a little north of 85. If we go to the SEC and all of a sudden our schedule and our home home slate of games has you know fifteen or twenty thousand more season ticket holders wanting to get in on the action, and there's there's such a demand that we can't meet it with the current capacity of the stadium, they'll add seats somehow. Right? But I just I as of right now. I don't think there's a reason and I think Joe C is, is smart but there's no reason to expand until you have the pent up demand that you, there's just there's there's a bunch of money to be made by expanding like right now the way you look at it I know we're technically selling out but there's some sparse areas of the stadium right and if we get to a point where our sellouts look like the stadium's going to explode cuz there's so many people in there they may start to, you know, look at expanding, but I just, I honestly, I don't think you need to. It's really just a, uh, like trying to check a box to say that you have a hundred thousand
0: seat stadium. I, I I didn't understand it. Right. And now I get it. If like you're saying, if all of a sudden there's this massive wait list to get it, and then, okay, you're going to do what's made, what makes the most sense for you financially. But, you look around not only football like sports in general capacities are not growing they are shrinking like it's about making it more intimate it's all about the fan experience and it has a lot to do with the fact that people have a lot of different entertainment options these days and it can be a bit of a hassle to go to a game right so i and and joe c's talked about this before but Oh, you needs to focus on making what we've got as good as it can be. Right. Right. Whatever you got to do to get 85,000 people to make as much noise as they possibly can. That's what you got to do. And if that's more efficient concessions, uh, better bathrooms with shorter lines, like we hear fans complain about the bench seats all the time. The water situation early in early in the season is always something that comes up. Wi Fi is always an issue. Like solve all those problems, right? Make make it the most enjoyable experience that eighty five thousand people can have together, right? Yeah. Focus on that. Don't you don't need to add fifteen thousand more seats? Like let let's work on making it as rowdy as we possibly can with the eighty five because. Ted, you and we talk about this plenty. Like, it is not consistently a wild environment in Norman. Now, the fans for the big games, they will crank it up. There's no doubt about it. But that and maybe that that becomes the norm when we're in the SEC. I kind of feel like that's what some fans are assuming is like that will just ramp everything up. But I, I just think getting those 85,000 to be as crazy as possible is where we need to focus the energy.
1: Totally agree. Um, If anyone still wants it, I'll talk you out of it. You got to park 15,000 more people. You've got to compete with that. Whenever you're trying to get out of town, Uh, it's, it's difficult. I'm with you. And like, I'm not trying to take shots or anything, but because I think there's plenty of reasons to explain this. Like I'm, I'm, I tend to be on the fan side on this thing because our home schedule is typically not anything to get our fan base excited, but outside of the big national type of opponents that we host, I would say our attendance, our atmosphere rather is below average. Just kind of, kind of how it unfolds. You know, it's, but the main part of that, I'd say 80% of that is who you're playing. You know, it's it's when you look at the home schedule this year, I, I, it's hard for me to get mad because, I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, you got subpar names, and I know there's going to be some of those teams are really good teams, but it's just it doesn't draw people out to where – and 11 a.m. kicks is, is a huge part of it. Like, there's been a lot working against us in that avenue. Uh, and when we go to the SEC, we're 230 uh, in primetime kicks and we're busting at the seams, then they would look at adding seats for sure. But right now, don't need
0: it. I, In a weird way, if you're one of those people that wants them to expand capacity, you just have to be ex- insane. <laughs> right. It's like, be, be crazy to where the administration has to go. Okay. Like there's so much juice right now in the fan fan base. We, we got to add some more seats, right? It's almost like you got to prove it. Yeah. That's how well, it feels to me.
1: Yeah. Go get, just go scream for four hours or three and a half hours, nonstop about how you want the place to expand to get everyone else to do it. Create such an environment, a loud environment that they want to add on to it. But I, I think I'm with you. I think that right now they're going to expand the west side, The not expand, they're going to renovate the west side, the press box. I think, you know, I don't know if it'll add any seats, but there'll be more suites up there, luxury suites, and it's going to kind of change what it looks like in there. And Once you do that, if it's busting at the seams, that would be the next step.
0: That All, all that stuff, we'll, we'll see how it works out. But before... Before OU even thinks about capacity increases, they got to get tailgating right. Right. Yep. Especially, especially for 2024. I would I would love if we started seeing some changes this season, but you got to create not only a better fan experience in the stadium, you got to create a better overall game day atmosphere and fan experience outside of the stadium. It has to happen. And I I've talked about this before, and I I really do believe it. You you want your tailgating scene, you want it to cause a reaction from the opposing players when they pull up to the stadium. You want them to say, oh damn, (laughs) like this is gonna be that this place is gonna be loud. That's like that's what you want it to look like. I would much rather them work on getting that right than them worry about adding seats to the stadium right now. Yeah, no
1: doubt. And you know, a lot of it is it's kind of it's kind of what came first, the chicken or the egg, because you know, if if you have a great schedule and you have a great football team, the environment's gonna be great. And the tailgating and all of, like, everything gets better together, right? Um, if, if you've got a, a team that the fan base is questioning and you've got a schedule that no one's excited about, it's hard to get everything else right. But when the schedule is right and the team is right, then everything becomes way easier. So hopefully it all comes together. You know, there's definitely some things that they can do uh for tailgating and we've got ideas if they ever ever want to uh ask around but i think i think the schedule is going to fix almost all of the the schedule and the time of kickoff is going to fix so many problems
0: yeah and we really don't know how big of changes that's going to result in until that first season in the SEC right but- so that's why you got to focus on 2023 people, but yeah, there's going to be a whole lot of new in 2024. It's going to be, it be really interesting to see how it changes things.
1: Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, everyone's going to be excited no matter what, no matter what the schedule is, but typically they introduce new teams to a new conference with like, just like Cincinnati's getting Oklahoma right for their first conference game, big 12 conference game. You know, we had that. That game with Georgia, like maybe our first SEC game is going to be a home game. You know, in September with Georgia, two thirty or prime time kick. Like, you won't have to ask anyone to get rowdy, and you won't have to ask anyone to come out and tailgate for that one.
0: No, you're going to have to ask. oh use players to play really well. That's what. You're gonna... <laughs> that's that. That's <laughs> where the uh, begging is going to be. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, what are the other interesting topics? Joe Casiglione's address was OU Texas possibly being a 2.30 game moving forward. Remember on our last episode, we talked about Chris Del Conte and him basically saying they were openly pushing for that game to be in that 2.30 time slot moving forward. And Josie said a couple interesting things. Uh, One quote he had was, one thing we have said forever is we won't move that game to primetime in the evening. That's just not going to happen. And then he also said, "quote I've heard it a thousand times on how much our fans love the 2:30 kick. We think that would be a great time slot. That being said, I don't know if it will stay at that slot permanently. So it if it if they really don't want it to be in prime time, said and everyone talks about that area, Dallas and all those things, everything going on the fair at night, just the amount of people that would be there." if they don't want it in prime time, then that really only leaves 11 AM and two 30. So maybe it's just one of these situations where, Hey, it's, it's going to be one of those two times for the rest of eternity. I, I can live with that. I'm, I'm used to the 11 and the two 30. It would be, it would be a nice treat every once in a while, baby. I don't, I don't know. I think there's,
1: I think there's good arguments on both 11 and two 30 kickoff times. Um, you know, I think if you were to poll the fans, I would say a majority would say 230. But I, I think that there's a decent amount just for this game that that like the 11 o'clock slot um, for multiple reasons. Like you can go and, and grab dinner afterwards or like whatever it may be. Um, but what I thought was interesting is, you know, we heard Chris Del Conte say that, you know, we're going to ask the SEC if we can play it at 2.30. And Joe C. almost said it like it's already been decided. Like they said, yes, but we just don't know if it's going to be permanent. You know, so I thought that was that was kind of interesting. And, you know, I went back and looked at some schedules from last year from the SEC, and, you know, I think, you know, like your, your top schools usually play like two 11 a.m. kicks maybe three, and they're not premium games. They're either non-conference game. I think the only premium game that I found that was an 11 a.m. was Tennessee and LSU. And I think in most of them, and I can't remember if this one was or not, but most of them are ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus. So I, I would guess that that will never be an 11 a.m. kick in the SEC. I think it'll be a two thirty kick. It seems to be like only non-premium games are at 11 AM, but you know, that's just a, that's just a guess from not knowing a whole lot of the details.
0: Yeah. That probably, that probably leads to a deeper conversation of does though you get the premium treatment right away in the conference, you know, like, yeah, well, I don't know, like do you have to earn your stripes a little bit in the SEC. I don't, I don't know how all that's going to work either, or if that well, even matters.
1: I don't think that matters because I think it's, it's, it's more about how many people are going to watch it than it is like, where do you, where do you fall in the pecking order? Because it, the that game rates like crazy, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's something that the SEC at some point would say, you know, that, Here's a great game. We can go up against someone else for big noon and maybe steal some of the views. I I don't know, but I feel like it should be pretty comfortable at 2.30 moving forward.
0: Yeah. We'll just like these other things we're talking about. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. Okay. A few spring game details came out over the weekend. Spring game, 2.30 start there on April 22nd. Ted, what'd you think of our man Venable's acting skills in the video? What'd you think? You gotta give I, it one to ten. What did you think? I I thought it's pretty
1: strong. Like considering the uh the personnel cast for the uh for the shot, I would give it a 10. I thought he was great. That's that was some uh premium content put out by Oklahoma football and social media right there. That was awesome. A just, massive troll job.
0: Yeah, just I'm so used to the eleven a.m. kicks. <laughs> yeah, that just it was. It I I'm assuming the goal was to make people laugh and mission accomplished. I it, oh, it yeah. made me giggle multiple times.
1: It's great. It was great. And you know, it's one of those that you're glad you put that out after all the paperwork has been signed, you know, uh, a massive shot at your current television partner for uh hammering you with the eleven AM kick nonstop, right?
0: Yeah. No, it was was good. So, yeah, prepare accordingly, ladies and gentlemen. Spring game, April 22nd. That thing's getting started at 2.30. And Kyler Murray's also getting his Heisman statue. Uh, It was announced that his Heisman statue will be unveiled at the spring game. you got to assume that's going to bring a lot of people out, right? Now, I still – and I do think it's unfair to compare – pretty much anyone to Baker Mayfield over these like last 20 years for Oklahoma football. I I think he's, I've made the argument. He's the most loved OU player ever. So I, does Kyler draw a similar crowd? I, I don't know, but you got to assume a lot of people are going to want to show up and show their appreciation for Kyler Murray because man, that, that 2018 season was something, dude.
1: Well, I would say in a vacuum, Kyler would not draw like Baker Mayfield would, but Kyler is going to bring out, I'm guessing a bunch of really good teammates that are going to be back for that, including probably Baker Mayfield. Um, you've got a five-star quarterback. That's going to be, you know, out there on the field for spring ball, a couple of five-star defensive players, a bunch of, you know, transfers that are going to be in the mix that people were introduced to uh, a week or so ago with that media day and people are going to want to see them. I alone, no one draws like Baker Mayfield, but considering all of those other things going on, I think that the attendance should be really good.
0: Yeah. As long as
1: everything cooperates.
0: And remember, you can't do 75,000 last year. Have a bad season, then not show up people. Especially if you want to see a
1: stadium with a hundred thousand in it. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. if You're one of those people. You better show up, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Kyler going to get to feel that appreciation and back-to-back years on Valen Heisman statues at the spring game. Ted, that's a, that's a rather solid recruiting tool.
1: Yeah. Very solid. Um, you know, and, and here's the other thing. I I don't know. I think they expected a big crowd last year, but I think maybe the 75,000 caught them a bit off guard. A bit? <laughs> yeah, with the preparation you around were, town. You
0: were doing the radio call up in the booth going, there's still so many people outside that are having trouble getting in.
1: I know. You had that. You, you had staffing issues. You had, like, they didn't shut down the traffic like they do on a typical game day. Like there was a lot of stuff, so my guess is they'll be a little bit more prepared this time. But all of that being said, last year, I don't know, I'm sure there were a couple, but I don't think it was something where people said that wasn't any fun at all. I'm not going to next year's spring game, right? It felt like it was something that everyone absolutely loved. Start to finish, It was quick, It's quick enough for everyone to to get some football see some guys, uh, the events that were were happening around campus were awesome. We had the, uh, the Selman statue going on. There's all kinds of great things. So, uh, my guess is, I don't know that you, you hit the, that exact number, but I think there's going to be a ton of people show up for it.
0: Yeah. And And I think it's a
1: pride thing too, right? Like that's kind of become a measuring stick across the country.
0: Absolutely. And I, I'm just showing up for her, Brent Venables open mic time.
1: (laughs) Yes, I agree. That I think we
0: should. I think we should give Coach V some more mic time this season, right? He was cooking last year, so why not let let the man cook? But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and that gets us to call your shot because we asked you guys what should if you were in charge if you were designing Kyler Murray's Heisman statue, what would it be? And this first one comes from Zane C Benson, who says the skip jump into the end zone. But then this other one comes from Clark Sachs, And he says getting his little hop across the goal line wouldn't work since he's in the air. So one of the two below would be cool. So it's not another QB throwing. And the two pictures he attaches is Kyler kind of crossing the goal line against Alabama in the Orange Bowl, which let's let's not talk about the uh, beginning of that game. And then Kyler with the one finger up running into the end zone down the sideline against Texas.
1: Which that was a great play.
0: My only issue. Both of those are losses. (laughs) Both of those are losses. (laughs) Does, Does that matter? Because another one came from at KD10U who said it has to be this. And he attached the picture of Kyler with the one running into the end zone against Texas. He said, his most electric play at OU, I saw it live at the Cotton Bowl, and Kyler was moving at a whole different speed than the other 21 guys on the field, which is absolutely true. But they lost that game. Does that matter? Does it matter? Because that that's the easy answer, right? Him running in the end zone against Texas with the one up, but you can't make a statue of a game you lost, right? We can't do that. Can you, is it, is it that big of a deal?
1: I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. I don't know the, like the history, of, like has it been done before? That's going to be a, that's going to be a talking point though. Right. Cause I think for the most part, they've always just been kind of general poses, not necessarily grabbed from a game, but now that we've kind of done that, I think that, I think you kind of, I do have to do it against the, of a game you won. I
0: I know this. Let's say a Texas player won the Heisman trophy. Right. And they took a pose from a game that they lost against OU. We would roast them mercilessly. Yes, that's true. And make fun of them for the rest of eternity. So I would prefer we don't open ourselves up to that, but if it is, it, it, Got him back in the Big Twelve Championship game, right? Got him back in the Big Twelve Championship game. So, I, I really hope it's not that because then ugh, Texas fans will be insufferable. Ted,
1: I know that's what I'm saying. Is like I hope, I hope they had someone on the committee or whatever that uh, that thought about that because I, I, it is. It's easy. It's an easy opportunity um, for Texas fans. I personally think. It's going to be like one of the things that I remember most about Kyler Murray playing quarterback at Oklahoma is whenever he would stand frozen, flat footed in the pocket, like in just like the, like the perfect quarterback pose for like 10 seconds. And no one like the offensive line would just have everyone locked out and he would just stand there looking downfield. Um, It was awesome. I, I think it's going to be something like that. I
0: uh, I think Kyler misses those days. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think he missed those days. This, this was an interesting one. It came from at Tevin Grace, who said, every time he ran the ball for big yards, he was pointing off defenders for his blockers while keeping his eyes downfield. Dude had insane field vision. I'd like to see him toting the rock, eyes focused and pointing at a defender.
1: That would be cool. That'd be that a cool be statue. Cool. And I don't know. I know that it can be. Uh, I don't know. They're pretty creative. So like the the hop into the into the end zone, like that little patented skip that he has. Like they may be able to figure out a way to do that. Like it can't they be
0: can, that hard. Statues you know, are easy, right?
1: If they Especially can figure feet. that out, and and there's a there's a way to to perhaps do that where everyone knows what it is, then. That would be a cool one, but I think it's going to be pretty traditional, personally.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. All right, birthday shout-outs time. Happy ninth birthday to Ella Ford. Happy 10th birthday to Hayden Mitchell. Happy 13th birthday
1: to Jack Ford. Happy 14th birthday to Cade
0: Donaghy. I think you nailed it. I think you absolutely nailed it. Happy 15th birthday to Aiden Packer Hollingsworth. Happy
1: 18th birthday to Rosie Forbes. Happy 29th
0: birthday to Miles Montoya.
1: Happy 41st birthday to
0: Chelsea Ketcher. Happy 43rd birthday to Kurt Lehman. Any relation? No? Perhaps. I don't don't know. I don't think so.
1: Happy 58th birthday to Steve Keenan. Happy
0: 65th birthday to Brett Leverage. Happy birthday to Andrew Wayne Palmer. Happy birthday to David Vincent.
1: Oh my gosh. What is this? Lisa.
0: Kortzjens.
1: Kortzjens. Okay. Lisa Kortzjens. Congratulations. Your husband is coming home from Kuwait the first week of March.
0: Boom. Let's go. All right, let's get to our interview with Deshaun White. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10% per... 10%. That was not right. It's a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas. I can see how
1: that's tough with it flipped around like that. That's funny.
0: I'm also kind of an idiot. All right, let's. (laughs) here we go. We'll start it over. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel nailed it just download the loves connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon across the country the loves connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway so before you hit the road Be sure to to download the Loves Connect app to save $0.10 per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile-to-go zone. And, of course, don't forget to grab yourself some sweet, sweet Java Humori. Opolis
1: Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10%
0: off. All right. Here's Deshaun White. It is our pleasure to be joined by a former linebacker, cheetah safety,
2: <laughs> something like at that, at the man. University Let's of Oklahoma.
0: Deshaun White is in the house. What's going on, man? Long time no see.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I miss you guys. How are you how are you guys doing?
0: Well, it seems like we're less busy than you, man. You're you're <laughs> all over the place ever since your career got done here at OU. What uh-huh. what? Where should we even start? Let Hula Bowl? Is, is that yeah. like after the bowl game, you were right back at it, man, at the Hula
2: Bowl. Yeah. No, the Hula Bowl was great, man. I, uh, it was a great experience. We went out there. We were in Florida. Uh, they moved it from Hawaii to Florida, so that was the first time it was in Florida. Uh, got out there. It was a good experience. Got to play with a lot of pretty talented guys and just honestly just had a fun experience kind of playing ball. Uh, learned a lot, so it was a good week how was who coached that and um you know
1: typically they kind of mm-hmm. uh are real general run some base stuff that you see in yeah. the nfl so like what'd you think of the coach coaches and what'd you think of kind of the schemes that you were uh running that week
2: no everything was pretty base like we just had like some cover two, some man um we had one blitz that was coming from the strong side um but now everything was pretty pretty bland i know the coaches uh uh, man, those coaches were—they had a great, great coaching staff. Uh, some old guys who used to really coach together, and um, I guess they had won a few bowls together, so you can kind of feel the chemistry there. And there's so much knowledge and wisdom, and the guys that they brought around that week. So it was a great week. Really great week.
0: Good, good. Well, it's always it's always good to get out there and show what you can do, right? Yeah. In those competitive settings, but you you also got something else going on now yeah. because the usfl's college draft yeah. was last week and you were the 32nd pick of the draft to the michigan panthers so, so walk us through that process right did you have to enter your name into the draft like how did that all work for you
2: so i had no clue like i was this is what happened with me i had got out of the shower and i had a a, a phone call from a new jersey number uh, usually I don't really pick up numbers that I don't have saved, but I picked it up and they were uh, they're like, congratulations. Uh, you just been drafted by the Michigan Panthers. I'm like, the draft is not for another month and a half, two months. And so as I kind of let them go on and talk, I'm like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. And so um, I guess sort of the thought process behind it is, um, you know, you have a guy who's sort of on the cup of, or on the cusp of, you know, uh, late pickup or maybe preferred free agent, however you want to see it. Um, and so and kinda of have a, a chance that if I don't make the draft, that's kind of um well that's where I'll be at. I'll be playing for the for the Michigan Panthers. So yeah, it's it was really cool. It really caught me off guard, but uh absolutely grateful for it. Um yeah. I know it's a, it's a little bit different, but
1: you know, just thinking about the timeline of it, I I think it's it's actually a, a really good thing because yeah as the NFL draft comes like that doesn't even matter to the NFL mm-hmm. um so if you get drafted or you know get a spot as uh you know undrafted free agent on a team you can make try and make the club that way yeah. but if that doesn't happen you never know like it's a i think it's a great opportunity to stay playing and the yeah. NFL will have all that stuff done and they'll be looking for talent to add to rosters you mm-hmm. know and scouting that as it as it goes forward i, I don't know i just that's kind of the no, way I, it. I view it. it seems like, like, a, it. No. like a good deal to just to be able to
2: keep playing. No doubt. No doubt. like I said, man, I feel grateful. I feel blessed for the opportunity. Even though I didn't really know what was going on. Uh just kind of, <laughs> of putting my own research into it a little bit. Man, I'm I'm grateful as to be. So so then
0: what, what what are you doing now? Right. Yeah. Because didn't get the invite to the combine, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm sure was very, very frustrating. So is is pro day kind of what is next yeah. uh, next for you
2: yeah definitely uh pro day on the 30th of march which i this whole time i've been thinking it's on the 9th i just figured out it's on the 30th like 2 weeks ago uh but pro day's on the 30th um i'm out in houston um just out here training going every day going twice a day um yeah just out here training up until pro day so
1: what's been the feedback uh whether it's you know who you're training with uh agent whatever like what? what's some of the feedback that you've heard as far as um maybe some things that you need to show well for yeah. at pro day or mm-hmm. maybe some things that they're thinking or, or have heard from NFL teams talking about you just kind of uh what the lay of the land is right now
2: yeah um well I think that's kind of a it seems to be a sorry about that there seems to be like a Right now there's a lot of interest in a lot of different sort of areas. Um, like I went to the hula bowl and I weighed way less than I could have even like anticipated. I weighed 205 that day. Um, just coming off being at home. Uh, I thought I was eating good, but good mom's cooking. She was a little upset herself, but um, yeah, I went in there and I weighed really light, but um, just even to hear sort of the interest from teams, um, there's some teams who are interested in me playing like a box safety sort of deal. And then there's a lot of teams who like, this year's film is like, man, we're not even looking at that. We want you to play Will Backer. So, um, no, it's been sort of best of both worlds. Um, I know that the big, big thing for me is what am I going to weigh on pro day and then um, 225 and how fast I'm going to run. So those have been, you know, big things that I've been focused on and just trying to uh, get as ready for this test as I I possibly can be.
0: So with with kind of some mixed feedback from teams, especially what – what you were getting told at the hula bowl, how do you approach that? Like, yeah. I, I assume you're, you know, your agent and the people you're working out with, like there's, you got to have, it seems like you got to plan for one or the other. So yeah. what, what's kind of your thought process when it comes to what you're going to weigh and all that type of stuff as you build towards pro day?
2: Yeah. Um, well, after kind of talking to everyone, it seems like the best deal would be for me to get back to 220 225 Um, get back to, you know, backer weight um, just to be safe because I think there's definitely more interest in me playing backer. And then if there's interest from a team that does pick me up to play something else, and we can sort of work from there. But I think that the safest thing for me would be to get back to 220, 225 and just sort of go from there. Uh, it makes it kind of interesting. I know the when I talked to the Panthers uh, linebacker coach, he was kind of talking about me coming in and stepping in at nickel day one. So that just kind of makes it really interesting in, in the, You're just in, gonna play every position, Deshaun. Yeah. There you go. Uh, just, I mean, wherever you want to put me at, man, just just put me in there. I I know that at times that may be
1: frustrating, but I got to tell you, man, versatility on a limited roster—you got 53 roster spots, yeah. and if you've got a guy that that can play box safety, can play nickel, can play uh, a will backer spot, and obviously can play a bunch of special teams—that has a lot of value. Um and I think it's good that you know you you wait 205. I don't know if you planned on that or not. (laughs) Not at all, bro. Not at all. (laughs) But I think it shows that hey, it's not a problem. If I if I need to drop weight, I can drop weight uh, and get down, which that's kind of what I was wanting to ask. Has it has it always been difficult for you to keep the weight? Like because I know a lot of guys are hard gainers and yeah, if, if if they're not eating like twenty four seven, they lose <sighs> weight quickly. Is that kind of been what the process was like for you? Yeah, it
2: I'm, it? I'm definitely one of those guys. Like I'm a, I've always known I'm like a really heavy sweater. Um, we've been doing warm ups, just stretching, and I'm probably already like full head of sweat. One of those guys. So just replenishing my body is something that I've always had to really, really, be keen in on, and obviously still learning uh, how to do it at a high level. But
0: well. I'm sure there's some people that hear that and they go, "We don't feel bad for you, man." <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a superpower yeah.
1: to be able to lose weight in a hurry. And yeah. not oh, poor
0: it. you! You could lose <laughs> no, no. weight extremely no, no. quickly. Poor yeah. guy. Okay, so you could have had another year at OU, right? If you wanted it, with, with I, how? I one thing. How could you I have? Know. That's what I. I feel like I asked you that during the season at one point, and we both kind of looked at each other like, "I'm not sure." Know.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was under the impression that I had no more eligibility, but um, yeah. With
0: so it was eligibility is exhausted. We're moving on to the next step because that that has gotten so confusing for all of us <laughs> with everyone having that COVID year. It's like I I don't even know. But it felt like you were there for about fifteen years.
2: No, I did. So,
0: so looking at. Looking at your career at Oklahoma, you had, I mean, you had a lot of different defensive coordinators, yeah. right? Learning learning different systems. Mm-hmm. When, when you think back to this season, right, 2022, well, h- how different was it under Venables?
2: Yeah, um, man, much more complex, you know. Um, I think that was probably the first thing that just sort of pops off the screen to you and then just sort of, um, you know, he expects more out of, His guys and I would say the last defensive or the last defensive staffs did as far as just uh, getting in there and watching extra and you know I've always been someone in the past who's kind of done things on my own and that was something that was like like don't do that if you're gonna get in there and watch film like bring someone with you and that's something that I kind of had to learn as I uh, went on under Venables but I would say those two things definitely. You think playing
1: the uh, the cheetah position which. I don't know. I, I thought that that was uh, – that's not an easy position with all that you're asked to do. You may be back at safety, yeah. uh, you know, one snap. You, the next one you may be man-to-man with a slot receiver. You're in the box for run. You're blitzing off the edge. I mean, as you, there's complex. There's a lot of stuff. But I felt like it showed, a like, your versatile, uh, versatility and a lot more. So, at the end of that, were you happy that you got to play that role or would you have – preferred to play a traditional inside backer, uh, like the wheel backer, like you've done.
2: No, I was, I'm, I was happy to be honest with you. Um, when we were, when the staff sort of first moved in in the spring, we were all kind of learning the defense and stuff like that. And so we're watching film on guys and, um, they just keep saying this cheetah position, cheetah spot, cheetah, cheetah, cheetah. And sort of as time goes on, I'm like, man, I think there's a lot of things at that spot that I could do at a high level. And I never said anything, um, just wanted to be like wherever coach wanted me to be at. And so once he sort of moved me there, I was kind of like, yeah, now I got to show some things that probably haven't really had the chance to show yet. So, yeah, I was, I was excited for the opportunity. Um, Definitely don't regret it or anything like that. I'm, I'm happy for it. So you mentioned
0: the complexity of the defense as a whole, right? We've heard a lot about the cheetah position, you know, yeah. since Venables got the job. How how complicated is that position in that defense?
2: Yeah, um, it's pretty complicated. But if I were to be honest with you, I think Teddy was sort of onto something with, when he said that, you know, it, you got to be able to do a lot of things. But as far as um, knowing your job, I feel like that's one of the easier spots on the field. Um, I think the, the backers are always going to be asked to do the most inside. And then the safeties also have, Pretty rough job up top. But I think that um if you know what you're doing at that cheetah, you're you're or if you're capable of doing the things that um the cheetah entails, I think you're good. You're good. I don't think it's um too hard of a position to pick up. So
1: was there a moment like uh, you know, first <clears throat> getting out there because it's always one thing to do it in in practice and you yeah. know, you you find some comfort there, but <clears throat> first game and you're kind of split out Man. in no man's land or, no. you know, they, they motion uh, like trips into the boundary and you're back no, at safety. Out. Is Man, there like I'll a moment you those... where you're like, holy shit, what am I hey, doing here?
2: Those first few games for me, I had a few of those moments. So <laughs> I could just, like, there'll be times where we're set before the snap. I'm like, all right, I'm here. And then motion comes and I'm like, oh, this is going to get bad. Like, <laughs> where am I supposed to be at? Is it? So definitely had some growing pains with it, but, you know. Did you did you
0: feel like the defense as a whole? And I know, like, you guys, you guys see what everyone's saying about you, right? You know, throughout the season, especially when you guys had your struggles, but did you feel like you were building in the right direction defensively, even though maybe you weren't getting the results you were hoping for?
2: No, no doubt. I think that was. I felt like we we sort of felt like that all year. You know, it was. like we were just building 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 um it'd be like a three steps forward once one big step back and then it's like all right let's get these steps back in and then we'll take ones back but no i definitely feel like we we built all year we built all year i think it'll be one of those things that um you look back and you'll be like okay maybe we didn't see it at first but i think there's a few things that um this group really just set the foundation as for whatever comes whatever comes next which i think will be the most exciting part so
1: yeah. I think it was important. You know, it's, yeah. know, there, there was, there was some, there's some hard moments in there, but a lot of good <laughs> things to look back on. And and yeah. as you said, build on that foundation, who are some of the guys that you feel like um, that are going to be back or, or maybe younger guys that are just starting to work in that you feel like are, are going to turn out to be some really good players and, and may find a really good spot in that defense.
2: Yeah. yeah um... I'm going to give you some dark horse. I can go all day. But I'm going to give you some dark horses a little bit. I'm going to go with uh, Isaiah Cole. I think he's really disruptive last year. Um, I think he's sort of just kind of stepping into himself a little bit. Um, I think he knows he has a big, big offseason in front of him. He's got to put on a lot of weight. He's got to um, – he knows what he's got to do. And then I'm going to go with Shane Witter as well. I'm going to throw him in some mix, young Shane in there. Um I think the back room is loaded. Like I can I can go all day about every single one of those guys. But um uh, I think Shane is sort of he's been kinda in the in the shadows a little bit, kinda getting back from his injury. But I mean the talent's there. He's just um he takes that next step mentally. I think it'll be going be really good for him. And then I'm gonna go with Jordan Kelly as well. Um I think he's a uh, kinda like Cole, who um, sort of had his moments this year stepping into himself, but I think that is such a big step that he can take. Um so uh, I'll leave it at those three unless you guys want me to ramble for about 30 minutes.
0: Well, yeah, there's anyone that listens to this podcast loves a good rambling uh, for 30 uh, minutes. Believe me. Yeah. I, I Have you, have you stayed in touch with a lot of guys and I know you're busy, right? With all this stuff you've had going on yeah. and, and now training, but have you heard anything about any of these transfer guys that have come in because they're, yeah. There's a lot of hype yeah. around several of them, especially yeah. like a guy like Desan McCullough, who's mm-hmm. maybe the guy who ends up stepping in at that cheetah spot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I've I haven't been into it as much as I would probably have liked. But um there's a few guys that are hurt, especially Desan. You know, I talked to him uh before he got on campus, just sort of uh, you know, welcome sort of deal. If he needs me, reach out sort of deal. Um but I think most mostly I just I keep in I keep in contact with the backers. Uh we got a little group chat. I kind of pop up in every now and then, and see what Darren and Danny's crazy weird selves are up to. And uh yeah.
1: Well, you uh it, it's always strange whenever you feel like you you've you've been somewhere for a long time and then you look up and, and you're gone, right? Yeah. And the the thing continues on without you. It's it's a weird, weird feeling, but it's also starts to get fun to look back at, it's the first time you can really look back at some of the things yeah. that you able to play through and uh, accomplish. So what's what's yeah. maybe some of your favorite moments whenever you look back on your career at OU?
2: Yeah. Um, honestly, I just – I like to circle this entire year. Um, I know that's kind of a cop-out, but I like to circle this entire year just because um, I feel like my first few years of my career, I just really felt like I was sort of piecing it all together, figuring it all out, um, which I won't say that I've got it all figured out, but I really feel like I was just sort of uh, – yeah, figuring it out. Um and so this year was kind of it felt like a chance to just sort of go out and just be me and not overthink a whole bunch or um anything like that. And I would say that in terms of on the field and off the field. So um yeah, I definitely just circle this year as kind of the the icing on the cake. So
0: we've you know, and we we've talked to several guys and, and they all seem to have this appreciation for this season, even though you end up six and seven, like, yeah. can, can you explain that a little bit? Like, because it, it seems like yeah. every single guy, Ted, that we've talked to about it, they, they all seem to have this deep appreciation for what you guys went through in 2022.
2: Yeah. Um, well, no one was expecting it first off. And I think that just, we learned so much um, as a group. And then individually, you know, everyone's going through their own sort of things, So um, Excuse me, but like I said, we just learned. We learned so much, you know. We we lost in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, there were some moments when uh guys got to step up, and you know, you have a moment where uh, you might fall short, but it's just it's such a big moment for you to learn. So, um, it's sort of it's what it feels like. Just a big opportunity to learn from a lot of different experiences. It was
1: it was a crazy year.
2: Yeah, you <laughs> had.
1: Uh, starting, um, starting after the Oklahoma State game in '21, right? Is yeah. everyone's kind of thrown into chaos? You don't know what's oh, going to yeah. happen.
2: Oh yeah, and,
1: uh, and I'm sure there was there was a lot of guys that were considering like, is this an opportunity to transfer and go somewhere else? Like, there was so much uncertainty, and I guess to be able to pull it all together, go through it together, learn, build the foundation, it's got to be something that. Even though, I like, personally, now that it's it's happened and it's behind everyone, I think it's kind of maybe a good thing that it was the type of season that it was. Um, but no fun to build them though. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, know that's just that's kind of how it, how it goes. But is okay. that did you guys maybe feel that like it, just how chaotic the whole thing was? That as it wrapped up, it was such a journey. Maybe that's why everyone is so appreciative of that year.
2: I think I think that's a good way to put it yeah it just feels like a like the end of a long long road you know um yeah I think that's a good way to put it
0: looking at do do you have any games right and you're it's not like you know you you got some football ahead of you whether that's the n f l or starring for the Michigan Panthers in the u s f l yeah. who knows mm-hmm. but do you have any games that just really stick out in your five years there
2: um, Baylor back in, what was it? 20,
0: 2019. Yeah. The Hertz year. Yeah. That's, that, that may be crazy. my favorite.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: In, now, did you get, did you get the fumble recovery coming out of halftime? Was that you or did you I cause did it? Not.
2: Okay. I did not. Who did get it coming out of halftime? I was half-time? trying to remember that. Say, uh,
1: that was a crazy game though. That's one of the most physical games I've oh, yeah. I've, I've seen.
2: Yeah. and It was fun. It, it really was. It was fun. And for it to end like that, like icing on the cake, man. icing on the cake. Yep. Those dudes were talking a lot of trash. A lot of trash that day.
0: I would say it, it's got to be that and then the Caleb Williams comeback against Texas, man. Uh, that yeah. was.
2: That one's up there. There's a few good Texas ones to pick, one, to, to pick from. Yeah. One was the, what was it? Four overtimes? Five Yeah. That was my freshman year before i even knew what was really going on out there i'm just i'm dang there just watching football you know
1: <laughs> yeah what about you got a favorite play
2: uh favorite play i don't know i would say the the play that i should have picked off at nebraska um uh, i don't know why i would say i i feel like that was sort of a turning point for me mm-hmm. uh, just a little bit in terms of just coming into myself a little bit. Um,
1: Reading it out, finding the right yeah. spot. And yeah.
2: and just, I think the way I played that day, even though I didn't get to finish that game, just really helped me. Um, Is that I why you got the targeting? You were mad you didn't the
1: finish the, the, uh, the, get the pick? What's up? <laughs> Is that why you got the targeting? You had to take it out? <laughs> yeah, on I head? was mad, bro.
2: <laughs> Trying to get them back in any way possible, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's funny. Well,
0: man, we are, we're fired up to see what's next for you. And obviously Pro Day is gonna be a big day. How, how fast are we running? What what yeah. are we
2: thinking? I'm man, I'm thinking four four. That's what I'm well, Whoa. am yeah, I know I put it out there, so it's gotta there's gotta be some truth to it. That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't say it for no reason. Uh,
0: okay. at, well, at two twenty, dude, four four at two twenty. All of a sudden the Michigan Panthers are gonna go, we're never gonna it. see <laughs> that guy. Michigan Panthers <laughs> yeah. are gonna be like, damn. yeah, well yeah.
2: Wasted
1: right, yeah. wasted thirty second pick. Uh, <laughs> if you run four four, what about two twenty five? How many times are you gonna hit it?
2: Yeah, um, I'm hoping for. I'm gonna say about 17, 18.
0: Nice, it's a good number, dude. Good I'm stuff. telling you, if you run four four, that's what I'm really. Boys, we we're gonna celebrate.
2: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Shoot.
0: Okay, all I'll right. I'm gonna re- that. Well, everyone's yeah. gonna know this now. So four yeah. four. At two twenty, Ted. I love that, it. that's layman territory.
1: It, hey, that Thanks. is uh, that's playing on Sunday territory. That, that's it. You, if, you, yeah. hey, there's uh there's there's been a lot of film. There's been uh, you've played multiple positions. Mm-hmm. You can wad all of it up and throw it in the trash. You go out there and burn <laughs> four four. They don't. They yeah. no one's gonna care what you've done up to that point. It's it's on. <laughs> That's
2: awesome,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Deshaun, you're the man, buddy. Uh, we'll catch up soon. We'll see you at Pro Day. Ted yep. and I will be doing the coverage for that. But, cool, cool. hey, have have a great time training, man, we'll see you then.
2: Cool, I'll see you.
0: I really hope he runs 4-4. Hey, listen, 4-4-8 is 4-4. 4-4-9 is 4-4. That'd be big if he could do that. I'd, I'd be very, very happy for him if he can pull that off.
1: Yeah, that would be if if he goes out there and puts a number up like that, he's gonna turn some heads for sure. So
0: now if he runs like four five nine, you and I will be there in person to make fun of him.
1: Well, I don't know if you can you make fun of someone that runs a four five?
0: No. That's fast. Now if he runs a four
1: six, then we can
0: Okay, so that's the that's the threshold. If he runs like four six eight, then we can make fun of him. Yeah. Okay. We've known Deshaun for a long time. (laughs) Had a lot of conversations with him. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first.
1: Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial
0: aid is available Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Oh, oh, I can't wait for the YouTube people to watch this. Uh, you muted yourself and you're talking like an idiot with yourself on mute. Yes. So it's been a long time since you've made that mistake. I know. Dang it.
1: Okay. Winner is OU Men's Hoops, just like we all picked. Go up, click off another top 25 victory. On the road against Iowa State. Did not see that one coming, admittedly, but uh, it was huge. And I got to say, Jacob Groves, probably the difference
0: with the night that he had or the day. Probably that had, was the difference. guy has been borderline unplayable for it felt like a month. And all of a sudden, it, yeah, yes, Ted, he was the difference in the game he played well that we were not used to that i'll be straight up i
1: took it upon myself to go back and view the statistics going into the game against iowa state he was three for his last 20 attempts from three uh had and that was a 10 game stretch and he had six offers throughout that stretch so to come out and go four from uh, four or five from three, I'd say uh, that was the difference.
0: T.J. Otzelberger had to have been furious. I I have to assume Jacob Groves torching them from three was not a large part of their game plan when they were prepping for that one.
1: I the amount of times this year that we've had someone off the bench score double figures has been very, very small. So, yeah, I would say that's the case. And credit credit Oklahoma to go out and score 61 and win by 11, that's pretty impressive.
0: If, if you were a fan of shots going in, other than watching Jacob Groves, that was not the game for you. I feel like that's becoming a theme with Oklahoma games. 60, that 50 points in your own building. That's brutal, man. They were
1: 18 of 58.
0: (laughs) They shot 17 more shots than their opponent and lost by double digits.
1: It's crazy, man. It's nuts. They missed. They were 10 of 17 from the free throw line, shot 58% as a team from the free throw line. Jeez, that's a bad, bad day. That's and like, oh, a- you,
0: oh, you turned the ball over like crazy. It's still that they just couldn't hit shots, but hey, hey man, a win's a win. A win's a,
1: a win. They out rebounded them. Of course, that's what happens whenever you miss like 40 shots in a day. <laughs>
0: I We're trying to compliment the basketball team right now, and I feel like we're doing a bad job of it.
1: Well, Hey, um, it's been a frustrating season. It's, it's so it's crazy that this team still has a losing record. And if, if you like, if you just look at some of the victories they have, it's like, how in the world does this team have a losing record? But they, they've been inconsistent. I mean, they've, they've earned it, but Hey, still watching, still enjoy the team. Um, not the prettiest basketball at this moment but you do what you got to do to win man
0: and they did that was hey hilton has been they iowa state has been awesome in that building that that was one of the more surprising results this weekend in college basketball but I, it's it's
1: i mean that place in particular but really anywhere in the big 12 it is hard to get a road victory
0: Except for in Norman.
1: Except for in Norman. Sorry, I had to.
0: But congrats <laughs> on the wins, boys. That was that was great. Great performance. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I'm going to go with the Pac-12. Um, it feels like the Pac-12
1: is teetering on the verge of obscurity. Uh, maybe they're already there. I don't know. USC, UCLA going to be gone after this coming season. Um they're trying to get a media rights deal done and in place and i think they are like they're they're in a really bad spot to negotiate and i think that they are holding themselves in way too high of regard right now it was weird how this whole thing played out so last week i think it was friday um brett mcmurphy sent a tweet out that said that the Pac-12 media deal still being negotiated. Apple, who, you know, a lot of people have said that this thing is going to have to lean very heavy on streaming, Uh, and Apple was one of the players there. Apple is yet, this is per Brett McMurphy, Apple is yet to uh, offer anything for, to the Pac-12, but Ion TV, which I'd never heard of before, had made an offer and was in the running for for the Pac-12 media rights, And it was weird because Stuart Mandel came up like about an hour later and said, no, they're not. They're, per my sources, ION TV is not in negotiations with the Pac-12. So I don't know what to believe. I tend to believe Brett McMurphy but there's probably a lot of people that don't want everyone to know that ION TV is like maybe leading the charge in getting the media ride still, because that is a bad look for the conference. So I'm sure that some people wanted to shoot that down with Stuart Mandel, but I don't know what to believe other than I don't think the PAC 12 is in a very good spot.
0: I, I definitely don't think the PAC 12 is in a good spot or else they would have a media rights deal done. And if they were in a good spot, they would have had it done before the big 12 got theirs done. But Brett, your mark, did what everyone said he was going to do: be hyper aggressive and get a deal done, and he got it done. Ted, I know you love a good conspiracy theory. Yes. Does it? Does it kind of feel like someone's sabotaging the Pac-12's media rights deal, floating some things out there? Because Brett McMurphy, I mean, that guy's been doing this for a really long time. He's got a lot of really good sources. Like Brett has broken some a lot of news over the years covering college football a lot i don't, I don't think he just invented that out of thin air right so and
1: i guess a lot of people were starting were trolling stuart mandel because there'd been something else that brett mcmurphy had reported that stuart mandel said that it's not true and it and it was and so they all started bringing bringing that back up so i don't know what's happening out there but you're right it does feel does feel like a bad spot. Like maybe some teams want to get
0: out. I, I can't imagine. And, and you got to remember some people, I, I feel like some people tend to forget this and, and maybe we can ask Joe Siglione about this someday. And I think you should write a book about the whole, OU ended up going to the sec thing. I think o, the leadership at, OU should write a book about that. I think that'd be fascinating, but I still believe one of, if not the biggest catalyst for OU eventually making that decision was the fact that the Big 12 went to Fox and ESPN and said, Hey, we're ready to start negotiating the next deal. Like We can do it early. Let's get this deal done. And Fox and ESPN said, No, we're good. We'll talk to you when the contract's up. I think that's set some serious alarms off for the leadership at OU in Texas. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up, I can't imagine what the leadership at Washington and Oregon are thinking right now, Utah, they they can't get a deal done and it's playing out as publicly as it is right now. I, It, it sounds
1: to me like, uh, Maybe everyone is already in on what's going to happen except for the conference commissioner, kind of like the Big 12 situation, you know, like just kind of maybe asleep at the wheel, feel like you're in a much better spot than you are. And at this point, doesn't it feel really natural for the Big 12 to gather like the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado? Yeah to make them, to get to that 16 number.
0: And that's, that's kind of part of my theory. Well, I'm sort of Brett Yormark's behind some of, if not all of this stuff, you know, just, yeah. and remember his job is to do what is in the best interest of the big 12 conference now and in the future. Right. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Weakening the Pac 12 as much as possible is good for the Big Twelves business. It just is. He's so, already said
1: they're they're trying to expand. I mean open for business. He's said it. He hasn't he hasn't thrown any specific names out there, but he said that he's had the conversations, he's having conversations. So
0: I I just don't know if you're Oregon and Washington, right? And if if the Big Ten wanted them, they'd already be gone that's just the truth right now Kevin Warren I think he was going to be pretty aggressive with further expansion but he's gone now right he's running the Bears and they don't even they haven't even named the new Big Ten commissioner so they can't aggressively expand without knowing who's going to be leading the conference so it it feels like a it feels like an opportunity for the big 12. it really yep. does I I don't know what's going to happen but I know this. There's a lot of lot of conversations taking place between Pac-12 leadership, like the leaders of those schools and Brett Yormark, Scott, it, it, those conversations have to be happening. Uh, yeah. There's probably no paper trail of them, but they there's no doubt they have to be happening right now. I have
1: to and you know, it's um I feel like it's going to go fast. Whenever it happens, like it's not like a we're gearing up for this thing to happen in three, four five years just because the Pac-12 is in need of a deal. The Big 12's already signed one. And I'm sure I like, definitely because of the landscape, whenever they sign that new deal, the talk of expansion has to be pretty prevalent within that contract. Right. I mean, because he has said that he's looking to add. So they've got to be set up, and the TV partners have to be set up to be able to welcome whoever is maybe in the conversation. Like I'm sure that that has taken place. So I feel like at some point the dominoes are going to fall, and it's all going to be set for that 24 season that has the expanded playoff. Like yeah. I feel like everyone already knows they just it hasn't been made to the public. You know?
0: Yeah i I just I, I can't imagine if you're a fan of a Pac twelve school that's not Oregon or Washington right now, that you're feeling very good about the future of your program. I know. I mean luckily we cover, you know, one of the blue bloods. Right? We yeah. played one of the blue bloods. Like that I, I can't imagine what a Washington State fan is feeling like right now. You know what I mean? An Oregon, Oregon State. State fan. Yeah. I
1: Especially is is, you know, a Those teams have – I mean, I think the Pac-12 is going to be maybe the best conference, like the most exciting conference to watch this coming year. Like The way it all lines up for them, it's going to be incredibly competitive. They've got like eight good quarterbacks that are going to be in that conference this year.
0: And it may be on its deathbed. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, let's get to my winner and loser, but first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving
1: Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and they've got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. And no matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. You buy a new or used car from them. All you have to do is get all the manufactured recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. What a deal. You can browse the entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at Vance Auto Group
0: com and first fidelity bank is a full service financial institution based in oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs checking accounts saving accounts home loans and much more they do it all whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone everything is stress-free with ffb making mobile deposits paying bills online and moving money to different accounts could not be easier people Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Tommy Fury. I only saw the highlights. I did not buy the fight, but I guess it's a big deal that he beat Jake Paul. A bunch of people are talking about it on the internet, so has to be a big deal, right?
1: I haven't seen it. Um Split decision, so I'm sure there's some
0: controversy there. In, in the highlights, I saw both guys clinching the other guy a lot. There was a lot of that, and I thought it was weird that it was in the highlight, but I guess I guess there was a lot of clinching in the fight. Big love, clinching bout.
1: L- love a clinching bout. That's that's awesome. Well, uh hey, congratulations to Tommy Fury and uh go hit the gym a little bit more, Jake Paul. I guess. I don't First
0: know. First loss. First, first L. Now I did see his post post-match interview. Didn't make any excuse. No, he's just like, yeah, lost. <laughs> I mean, it was actually, it was actually kind of refreshing. Yeah. Well,
1: uh, you're yeah. up for the big rematch, uh, pay-per-view coming
0: in six months. He may have lost on the scorecard, but I bet you that dude made a boatload of money.
1: Jeez. It's crazy. I, Give the guy credit. Like I don't know anything about him. I've seen a lot of uh, things with the two brothers that are cringe worthy, but I credit the the kid from going from a, a, a what an Instagram or YouTube star to I, I when I say he looks like a legit fighter to me, you know, and he's he's been able to make a lot of money at it, which I guess is the most important thing. How much money yeah. can you make doing it? So
0: he'll keep. They'll keep boxing people. And people keep buying it because well, I guess people it's keep interesting. Buying it. There you go. How how infuriating does that have to be for like the really good boxers in the world? I can't even imagine that no one really wants to watch you and they want to watch Jake Paul and Tommy Fury and you like that has to be, oh my, that has to just, oh,
1: like to me, I like, I don't know anything about boxing other than like I've watched some boxing. I know a lot of the the guys. I know a lot of the historical fights, like, like that stuff, like a general sports fan knows, but as far as like the science of it and the skill of it, I know nothing. And for the guys out there that have dedicated their life to becoming like very skilled in the craft of boxing and are trying to work their way up through the ranks and get noticed and get fights. I bet they're watching it, saying like these guys are horrible. Like, wh- how is this happening that that these guys are horrible? It'd be like, you know, the NFL watching the XFL, and the XFL the guys are making thirty million dollars a year, right? It's that's kind of what it it is.
0: Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be infuriating. <laughs> I don't
1: know. That, hey, here's the reminder. All sports are is entertainment. And if you can find a way to make it more entertaining, that's what people want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of entertaining, my winner of the weekend, OU softball. They're still the Queens, baby. I, we told everyone to look out after that Baylor loss, right? Patty was going to light a fire under him. They went out there to the Mary Netter Collegiate Classic and beat the hell out of everybody. I mean, and the matchup we were all waiting for, number two Sooners against number one UCLA, and it was utter destruction. 14 to nothing in five innings, Ted. That was, dude, that was a bloodbath. I didn't, I I thought they were going to win, but. I didn't see that coming.
1: Whoa. That was crazy. I saw a – someone made a highlight video of all the home runs set to the audio of – oh, gosh, what's her name? The um, I think she played at UCLA maybe. She's – ESPN covers softball talking about how Oklahoma – she thinks they're going to be good, but they're not going to be like they were Oh, last Michelle year. Smith,
0: the one. She played at Oklahoma State. What? No, oh, one her it's
1: not Michelle Smith it's uh gosh uh anyways she's saying they're not gonna hit a 80 bajillion home runs like they did last year and it's funny because the audio is played and it's just home run after home run after home run it's really cool
0: yeah what well there were six of them dropped ended bombs. up with ended up with 20 hits uh Kenzie Hansen hit two bombs five rbis Tiari Jennings, for RBI, but Sirocco is the one that. dealing That's the third pitcher on that squad? Are we uh, sure?
1: Or 1A, one 1B, one and 1C, I guess. I don't know. Three-hit shutout against what was supposed to be the team best in the, team in the country. Yeah, best team in the country. Yeah. Nuts. I, I don't
0: know much, but she looks legit to me. Whew. Yeah. It's a good weekend for OU softball, man.
1: If, if anyone thought, and maybe I was there a little bit to just, you know, was, they've set the bar so impossibly high that if they don't come out like the first game of the year, first handful of games of the year and beat everyone 30 to zero, then it's like, what's wrong with these guys? But, uh, I think they've, uh, I think they've reminded everyone that they are who we thought they were
0: indeed. All right. For my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with Thunder fans. SGA banged up. Missed a couple games in a row. Thunder have lost a couple in a row. Thought it was a hip flexor. Now it's an abdominal. Strange. No time. No timetable. Ted, I don't like it. The squad's trying to make the play in. SGA can't be getting hurt right now. These are important games. I'm frustrated. Okay. This to me, I want you to
1: maybe talk me out of it, but it reeks of the late season, uh phantom injury to play ourselves into a better draft position.
0: I just, I, I think they're they're too far gone for that, in my yeah. opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, they'd have and you to want like- your best player playing. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Well. Hopefully it's not like if if they're talking abdominal strain or hip flexor and they're not sure what it is. I hope it's not like a sports hernia, like sports hernia or something yeah. Yeah.
0: When you hear those two things that's exactly like every football guy's like oh no. <laughs> yeah. But I I just want to watch him play. That here's some hard hitting analysis for you. Thunder Better basketball team when Shea Gilgis-Alexander plays. How about and that? That's
1: a shock. I mean, I don't think anyone thought we'd end up in that place, you know, but here we are. I think it's I think it's definitely true.
0: And I didn't think I'd be caring so much about them making the play-in, but here I am. It's within reach. Might as yeah. well, man. Come on.
1: It's awesome to play, like, in a like – even, even to be, like, pretty far down the pecking order, to find yourself in a – like that dramatic of a of a situation is pretty fun for a fan
0: base and, and I would like to see some of these guys like these young guys are gonna be part of the core for a long time I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see how they react in yeah. that setting you know yep yep and
1: I think it's it's also can light the fire right to get a taste and to be there who what was the the thunder before they really went on those runs? They played the Lakers, wasn't it, in the first round and, and gave them more of a test than people expected, and that kind of ignited that team for the coming years. We, that was kind of fun
0: to watch. We won them in the play-in. I just want to see it, but yeah. shay has got to get healthy. All right, but for my loser of the weekend, I'm going with the ACC. You went with the Pac-12. I'm going ACC. So, a few things here. First, Florida State Athletic Director Michael Alford had – some interesting things to say over the weekend. He said, quote, something has to change regarding how far the ACC is falling behind the SEC and Big Ten from a revenue perspective, right? He also mentioned, had a little study done, Florida State brings 15% of the value of the ACC. They only get paid 7%. So it, it felt, Very, very calculated after them just having their ACC meetings. And then Clemson athletic director, Graham Neff was asked basically, Hey, if unequal distribution moving forward in the ACC was a want or a need. And how about this quote, Ted, in all candor, I put it as a need. (laughs) Meaning he wants more money than everyone else in that conference because they've been Carried the flag for them. I, well, I I think the big brands in that conference, right? And and maybe they haven't had a ton of success recently. Certainly Clemson has. But you talk Florida State, Miami, Miami, and Clemson, right? Those are the big football brands. It's starting to feel like those schools feel like they're being held hostage by the ACC in that media rights deal that runs through 2036. They're all seeing these numbers from the Big Ten. And from the SEC, and probably even for the Big Twelve, going, what the hell? And now, I I didn't know when this point would come, but the leaders of these schools are speaking out publicly about it, and they are they're starting to rock the boat. And twenty thirty six is a long time from now, dead. so I I saw this, and I was like, oh boy, things are getting weird out there in the old ACC.
1: Well, I. I bitched for years about the Big 12 and how schools like Kansas and you know maybe tech at the time I know they're 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 playing better now but how schools can bring nothing to the table not improve their team not put resources into their program just go, you know, one and eleven, three and nine, year after year after year, but still get that thirty-eight million dollar payoff every year. And there's been enough schools now say, like, oh you Texas is like, dude, enough is enough. Like, we're out of here. We're going somewhere else where where it's taken seriously. And I don't I don't blame Florida State at all some some schools out there that are doing a lot of the work are uh, not happy with the redistribution of wealth going on bringing in 15% of the revenue and getting 7% that doesn't last very long things are going to have to change
0: i and i think i, I wouldn't be surprised if they change very quickly timing and, is
1: interesting
0: timing is it 2024 feels like the year right yeah where all of this stuff just happens at once and maybe the best path forward for the ACC is hey they give Florida State, certainly Clemson, Miami like the biggest print they maybe they give them a little more. If I'm sure those other schools in the ACC would be willing to negotiate, right? As opposed to those schools leaving for another conference. They don't have a choice.
1: Yeah. Especially when Alford is happens to know down to the decimal point the amount of money it's going to require them to leave yeah right? it's like how much is it going to cost it's actually it's funny that you asked that question the number for us to leave right is right it was 120 million it was a ton it, yeah it's a lot but here's the thing if you're bringing in 15 percent of the revenue it's only seven percent of what in, in what you're getting back and you're locked in for how many more years? 12, 13 more years. I like, the math isn't that hard to figure out that, okay, we can come up with 120 million or come up with uh, what we need to finance this thing to get it done. It makes sense like to go somewhere else perhaps and get a much bigger payout or uh, negotiate it in our current situation to where we get something that's a little more um, on the level of what we bring to the conference.
0: Yeah, he basically, in the article I read, he basically said, yeah, we can't just make $30 million less than these other schools each year and expect to compete. That's right. It's a pretty good point. (laughs) You know, it's so Pac-12, very interesting. ACC now, very, very interesting. And we're just chilling. Chilling. We're going to be in the SEC stable as can be baby. Let's go. Or, or so we think.
1: So we think, you know, it is fascinating though. I, I, I think a lot of people have long thought that the four super conference situation is, is really what makes sense. And, you know, I, I don't know how you get to that. Like if the pac 12 is, is going to dissolve and. And you kind of split up the other teams. Like I, I don't know, but, um, Florida State starting to throw their weight around a little bit, and I'm sure, you know, anyone else who, brings in more than what they're, what they're getting out at the the final payout is going to start piping in too. So, fascinating times, man.
0: Indeed. And on that note, episode two ninety five in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.